You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Be'ezras Hashem, we're continuing our series of Shirim on the inner world of calmness, and we're continuing by following the narrative of the Torah, of the creation of the world, of the creation of the human being, the role of the human being, and the ultimate development of subjectivity that we experience in this world. Now, what we spoke about last year was the separation of Mayim B'Mayim. That originally there was a Mayim, there was a place of Tainug, there was a place of pure unity of self, the oceanic sense where everything was present at the very same moment. That recognition that everything that exists in a potential form can also be seen as if it is already actualized. From this spiritual perspective, one does not sense a profound rift within themselves between what they can be and what they actually are, or their real self and their ideal self, or their potential state and their actualized form, but rather there is a sense of unity and connectivity that exists between potential and actualization, which then gives room for healthy productivity and actualization that's not rooted in deficiency. There was mayim b'mayim. There was pure, unadulterated water without any separation. This is water. All was in all. Everything was revealed. And there's a tainug there. There's a manucha there where the person doesn't have to do anything to become who they are. In a state of mayim b'mayim, when everything is unified together, I don't feel the pulsational force at the core of myself that is telling me that I need to produce in order to be valuable. Because in a world of actualization that sees potential as something deficient, so then in accordance with my actualization is going to be my inherent value. That realm of productivity, that realm of needing to perform in order to be valuable, in needing to be acknowledged in order to be real, is a byproduct of the separation of the Mayim B'Mayim. Originally there was unified water where potential and actualization were seen as being representative of the same thing and there was no need to extricate myself and untether myself from my root form in order to go out and try and for find some artificial wholeness outside of myself. But then there was the Rikia bin Mayim Lamayim and there was a separation between the Mayim B'Mayim and there was a Mayim Tachtoinim and there was a Mayim Elyonim. Mayim Elyonim represents on a certain level the potential of the self which is fully present in all of its presentness and Mayim Tachtonim represents the actualization of the self which is perpetually crying towards potential feeling that if I don't actualize, I'm not good enough. If I don't actualize more, I'm not good enough to the degree that even in the state of actualization where a person is actualizing themselves, is actualizing their neshama in this world, there's still this incessant cry of the Mayim Tachtoin and Boichim that they're saying, we want more, we want more potential. There's a memory of where potential itself and its purity was seen as an idealized experience because we felt absolute menucha at our core without a need of separating ourselves from ourselves in order to accomplish more and more. The Hevdel bin Mayim Lamayim, the Mayim Tachtoinim and the Mayim Elyonim, this separation of potential and actualization, a sense of who I am and who I am meant to be, and any time that I am not who I feel that I'm meant to be, I can't be myself, which prevents me from ever being 
calm enough to allow myself to become more than I am, it leads to a world and a life of imenucha, of the opposite of meimenucha sinahaleni. It leads to the waves of the sea. It leads to the galehayam. It leads to the chaos of the sea, the tahoim, the, the depths and the abysmal depths that waters represent and the separation and the cry of self that seems to orient what it means to be split in this world. But as we said, that the secret of Menucha is coming to realize that yes, there's Maim al and Maim Tachtoinim, yes, there's a split between potential and actualization, but it is all operating within a realm of pure presence of Akadish Baruch Hu, of pure presence of self. That yes, there's Maim Tachtoinim, but the Maim Tachtoinim still exists within the realm of Maim al because in truth there was never ever a separation between the Maim al and the Maim Tachtoinim. This is the Avoid of Dabra Melech by the Simchas Beis who wanted to bring back up the Maim Tachtoinim, bring back up those abysmal depths, back up to the heights to reveal that there was no separation, and we know that the world was going to be inundated at that point, that we need that separation. There has to be a separation between potential and actualization so that we can become more than we actually are. But the secret of Menucha is recognizing that the growth out of my potential form is not because if I don't grow, I am worthless or I am not good enough or there's not enough water, but rather that the presentness of water, the mayim b'mayim, the fact that there's tainug, that there's a menucha, there's a recognition of my source, there's a recognition of the unified may may ain sof, the waters of the infinite, that gives birth to healthy motivational change. That gives birth to the possibility of becoming more than myself, myself without feeling that I am not good enough without becoming more than myself. And that's the secret of the Mayim Tachtoinim that are oile to the Mayim Elyonim. Like we said in the name of the Ishbitzer, that in a moment of praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's no separation between the Mayim Elyonim and Mayim Tachtoinim. It's only the Mayim Elyonim that are praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu because that Rikia is now removed to reveal that these two parts of self, the need to become more, but operating from a place of being enough at the very same moment from actualization being born out of potential without feeling that potential is less than actualization, that's the secret of the main menuchos yinahaleni. That's the secret of Yonah ben Amitai, Yonah matzah bomanoach, that Yonah was able to find menucha like Noah hatzadik, like the teva, which is able to create menucha within the roaring waves of the water. This is the secret of the mikvah. The mikvah is returning back to that mayim b'mayim with the same desire to move from a state of potential into actualization because we know from the Ramchal and from the tzadikim that the mikvah is Mikvah. Mikvah is kivoy, kave hamayim. The entire secret of water is all associated with kavim, with kivoy, with hope, with desiring more, but recognizing that everything is present right here, right now. And the nature of tikva, the nature of hope, is that it is potential and actualized at the very same moment. The potential form of hope is the desire to have something that is not yet present in my life right now, and therefore the only tool at my disposal is hoping towards something, which is not based on any having, but rather a desire to have. But the very aspect of hope is the hoping itself, which means that the actualization and the potential form of hope is one and the same. And that's the secret of the mikvah. That's the secret of returning back to the water and water without any distinction between potential and actualization, but holding on to the desire to become more than I actually am, not from a place of lack, but from a place of wholeness, which is why in the beginning, when we look at the separation of the Mayim Elyonim and the Mayim Tachtoinim, that exists on the second day of creation. So there's no kitov. There can be no goodness in that place as long as I feel that there is an absolute cut between potential and actualization because I'll never become. 
Calmness, like we said, is being present at my root form. My root form is where all of my potential is present. And if I feel that I have to leave my root form in order to actualize myself, then I'm never going to be b'menucha. But when I understand the secret that leaving my present form of potential is not actually leaving my present form of potential, because even my desire to actualize is rooted in an enoughness, so then it's b'menucha sinaleni. Then I have the ability of going from place to place while still remaining in my shoyrish, which is the secret of menucha. Because we said menucha is not the opposite of movement. Menucha is movement with a sense that I don't need to move anywhere in order to be okay. If I were to stay exactly where I were, I would also be okay, at least when things are operating in a healthy way, which is what we said is that Mayim is ultimately the vehicle that brings things from one place to another. It's the connectivity between one thing and another, which is rooted in a sense that the thing before the connection was not enough, but the secret of healthy unity, the secret of healthy Mayim is the reality that yes, we can grow in connection, but that doesn't mean that prior to the connection, there wasn't enough. It's a sense of growth out of enoughness, rather deficiency, which is why we can't have a Kitov on the second day, but on the third day, there's a doubled Kitov. On the third day, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates the secret of vegetation and growth out of potential into actualization, that's when we can look back on the second day, which seems to be a severing between potential and actualization, and we can look back on it and we can say that the goodness is there also because we now understand the delicate balance and the relationship between the two of them, that the need to actualize does not take away from the presence of potential, as opposed to the typical model where the need to actualize is because of the deficiency of potential, that potential is not real and therefore you must actualize and therefore the actualization becomes the rubric against which a person models their value or their selfhood. But from the perspective of enoughness, where potential is real, like the Ramak points out and the Arizal points out, that we have to be bendame to Ruchnias, where the Koyach is not choyser from the Poyal, where actualization is not more than potential, because potential is also a form of actualization. Ah, it's a different form of actualization. I have to learn how to relate to things that are actualized, but not actually actualized in the way that I can grab them. But with that secret, then I can come to understand the double Kitov on the third day, which is the secret of growth. What is growth? A zriya in the Aretz is when I take some potential form and I allow it to become destroyed in one way or another. I allow it to become rotted in the ground. It seems to be a letting go of potential. But only afterwards, when I let go of that need to stay in a realm of potential, that's where growth actually takes place. And the chiddush of the growth of trees, of plants, is that they're still inherently connected to their shorish at every single moment. So that revelation of the need to abandon the presence of pure potential of mayim b'mayim, and to enter into that split of mayim tachtoinim and mayim elyonim, to live with that cry, where every mayim tachtoinim moment, which is the need to actualize myself, cries forward to the mayim elyonim, which is that I need to be more and more at every moment, when those mayim can come back together, so that's the secret of growth, and that's the doubled kitov of the revelation, that potential and actualization can grow out of each other. And that's going to be the secret of menucha. What we're going to discuss today, Be'ezra Hashem, is the emergence of time. The emergence of time and the role that time plays in the ability for an individual to find the menucha in this world, and what seems to take away from the ability of a person to have menucha in this world. Now, we're moving towards the fourth day of creation, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu describes as follows. The process of the fourth day is the creation of the luminaries of the night and the luminary of the day, the sun and the moon, which are going to be responsible for all of the distinctions of time and the separation of time. 
that there should be the sun and the moon in the skies in order to create the separation between the day and night. And not only that, it shouldn't simply be the separation of day and night, but then we fall into more categories of time separation. So we have the process of HaKadosh Baruch Hu creating the sun and the moon, placing them in the firmament, placing them in the sky above, and the responsibilities that these two, sun and moon, are going to have in terms of the illumination that they provide, and their role in orienting time. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu places them in their proper place, and now they take ownership and they take rulership, so to speak, over the transition of Yom and Laila, day and night, separating darkness and light, and God saw it and He said it was good. So what we encounter already by Vihima Oiris, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should place the sun and the moon into the firmament to create this notion of time awareness, to create this separation of time. So we find the Meoiris are chaser ksiv. That the word Meoiris, the word that the Torah uses to describe the creation of the sun and the moon, which are going to be the preconditions for time, is already deficient within the text itself. Tarshabhsav is the idealized form of things. When things are expressed in Tarshabhsav, it represents them in their idealized form. But over here, there's a reality that the deficiency to one degree or another seeps into the very fabric of the thing, to the very texture of the thing, to the degree that the chisaron, the deficiency, is already present in Tarshabhsav. Now it's impossible to say that there's actually a deficiency within the written Torah. So what does it mean that there's a deficiency that Ma'iris is Nikhtav Chaser, that it's missing a vav, it's missing a fundamental letter of it, and therefore it has to be read with punctuation to ensure that we know what the word is. How can we say that there's actually a deficiency within this perfect thing called Torah? Hashem, it must mean that the deficiency is part of the perfection of that thing. That the very deficiency of the Ma'oros, the very deficiency of the sun and the moon, when it's described in Torah Shibachsav, is not in truth a deficiency that is taking away from some previously ideal sense of time, which now brings us down into a failed, broken sense of time. But rather, the nature of time is that it is deficient in its very essence. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that this is good. The creation of time, the emergence of time, is a deficient thing because it creates a deficiency within the human self, as we're going to see. But the Torah sees that as Tov Ma'od. The Torah sees, and it already makes room for the deficiency inherent within time, the lacking vav, the lacking connectivity principle that exists within the notion of time, and the Torah takes that into consideration because that is the nature of what it means to be a human being. To be a human being is to be time-bound, as we're going to see. But again, before we go into the time-bound nature of the human being, it's important to revert back to the notion that we've spoken about so often when it comes to understanding the development of human subjectivity and ultimately grappling with the real moods and the encounters with the inner elements of self that will help us orient ourselves to this world, which is what we're trying to do. The inner world of calmness is trying to figure out from whence does calmness arrive? Where does Menucha come from? How is Menucha accessible? And what are the elements in reality and in self that prevent me from living? in my menucha. And my ultimate belief based on the tzaddikim is that the more we understand about the things that take us away from menucha, we are already marching in the territory of where menucha will arrive from. Because mine ube ave nagre, that from the forest itself comes the hand 
struggle for the axe. And that mamtik mar bamar, by understanding the deficiencies inherent within the experience of menucha, we will come to understand the presence and the possibility of menucha. All the more so when we're dealing with a nature of menucha, calmness, which we said is only earned through its apparent opposite. Menucha means a non-movement. Menucha means a presence at the source, a willingness to feel fully saturated within myself. But somehow, viar menucha kitov, Yisachar sees that menucha is good, viat and he girds his shoulders to bear the burden. Like we said, that to find menucha in this world means to enter into the very opposite of menucha, which teaches us something fundamentally important that there is an effort needed to encounter these states of self. And the reason that there is an effort needed is not because of some primordial fall, that the Jewish individual is not meant to see themselves as some previously perfected creature that has fallen into imperfection and now needs to return back to that primary or previous stage of perfection. The narrative of the creation of the individual is one that the human being is created already deficient. That deficiency is not because of some failure on behalf of the human being. That deficiency is because by the very definition of what it means to be a creature, we are imperfect. The only perfect thing in reality is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. God is the only true perfection. The perfectibility or the trying to become perfect of human experience is always an acknowledgement of the ultimate imperfection of the human being. That is not a symptom of some primordial fall. It is not an accident, but rather it is the very constitutive fabric and texture out of which human experience is born. <speaking in Hebrew> holiness is perpetually and profoundly beyond our holiness. Therefore, all of the things that we encounter in terms of the development of self, especially before the Chet of Adam Arishon, which we're still talking about right now, needs to be seen as the ideal form of human experience. Meaning to say that the sense that we're time-bound, the sense that we experience a splitness of my milyonim and my tachtonim, the sense that we ultimately are going to see that we're kicked out of Gan Eden, all of these things, the sense that there's an animalistic tendency within us that is rooted in the fifth day of creation, all of these things precede any fallibility of human being. They precede any punishment orientation to the human being. Meaning to say that these are not symptoms of some punishment-oriented form of being, but rather these are the very fabric and nodal points where being becomes the actual thing that it is meant to be. The human being is meant to work to become themselves. There's a developmental principle to being an Adam. To An Adam is someone who has to utilize imagination to become more than they are. It is different than any other form or creature, which means that the imperfection at the heart of the human being is a fundamental piece of it. Not only that, it is the truest part of ourselves, because ultimately the one thing we will perpetually come to understand is our inability to encounter pure and absolute unity, which only exists by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yes, we can connect HaKadosh Baruch Hu in infinite matters of ways as we're going to discuss, but to be HaKadosh Baruch Hu is an impossibility and to be unwilling to acknowledge that is an ego issue, is an arrogance issue, or a theological issue. Because in truth, the only thing that is truly perfect is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and other than that, the work of being human is to cultivate an awareness of our imperfection and to work through our imperfection to uncovering the wholeness that exists within our imperfection and the access point that we have through our our imperfection and our grasp of imperfection to reach out and somehow connect by way of faith in an impossible way to the absolutely perfect perfection of all perfectibility, which is HaKadosh Baruch Hu So whenever we discuss the development of self out of an original splitness, it's never because we're not good enough to be unified. It's never because we failed and therefore we're split, but rather because the very constitution of the human being is to be split. Vayetzer Sa'adam, as we're going to see, is already a multiple experience. It's a split experience. There's 
a doubled yud there. There's two yitziros. There's yitzahara and yitzahatov. But here, all the more so, before the creation of the human being, we're talking about an idealized form of creation. Here we see the emergence of time and time being a deficient thing. That vahim ma'oris birakia, that ma'oris are spelled without the vav, highlighting the fact that the very essence of time is by some element or another, something that already brings into consciousness and into awareness a notion of chisaron, which is going to be the first point where we experience the difficulty of trying to recapture manucha. Manucha, like we said, is the sense that everything is present at the shayrish. The shayrish contains all things. Everything, all possibilities exist here, and in spite of the fact that they're not actualized in terms of the external markers of actualization, which are measurement-oriented and space-oriented and time-oriented, that we still believe in the actualization of potential in spite of the fact that in spite of the fact that it doesn't necessarily reflect itself in the way that we conceive of actualization. When I'm present at my shayrish, when I believe that everything is in its shayrish and I don't need to leave the shayrish in order to uncover the anafim, that is a place of menucha, a lack of movement, no need to move, no need to go out in order to conquer, but rather everything is present at hand as ideally things would be and actually continue to exist when we contemplate the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's infinitude in our lives. Time, the emergence of time, which is part and parcel of the emergence of existence, is the awareness or the sense that in order to be present, in order to fulfill, in order to fully actualize this moment, I need to think about what's going to happen in the next moment. I need to plan for what is going to happen in the next moment. And by definition, I am taken out of this moment because the moment always existed. The nature of experience, the momentary nature of experience always existed. But the framework of time, the separation between past, present, and future, the ma'oros, the ma'adim, the shanim, the chadashim, the shvuos, the yamim, the sha'os, the months, the, the years, the months, the days, the hours, the minutes, the seconds, the milliseconds, the framework of breaking the moment down into measurable pieces of time that allow for self-reflection from a past, present, and a future is a byproduct of the framework of time that human beings experience. The moment was always present. Time and the thing that breaks up the moment and makes me feel that in order to actualize myself, in order to gain, in order to win this moment, in order to be successful in this moment, I must think about this moment from the perspective of what happened before it. And I must think about this moment in relationship to what is going to happen after it. By definition, my momentary existence now is now going to be informed by what has happened in the past and all of the difficulties that emerge therein or all of the hopes that come from there as well as oriented towards the future with all of the hopes and the anxieties. Because once we introduce past and future into the mix, what a person has done is they have moved themselves away or been taken out of the momentary level of presence. And now they are forced to reflect on the past, which is very often built upon sadness, memory, a sense of loss, a sense of trying to retrieve or recover something that is seemingly gone through the act of memory or through the act of mourning or through the act of fantasy. And the future orients me towards goals, towards expectations, towards anticipations, but more often than not, towards some anticipatory sense of what is going to happen next, which takes me out of this moment. The emergence of time, the framework of the sun and the moon, 
introduces the need for the human being to now no longer be able to see the present moment as being fully saturated with everything that I need. And it puts me into a position where I need to try and learn from the past in order to develop into the future. When I am present in a moment, I have to be interrupted by the fact that the future also needs my attention, that I have to now no longer give all of my koach and all of my energy to the moment in front of me, but I have to reserve my energy for what the future is going to bring. And I have to now start looking at myself, myself and time from a perspective of scarcity. There's not enough time. Time is the cage or the jail that is placed upon reality that creates a sense of deficiency and not enoughness. There's always a sense of not enough when it comes to time. Because like we said, the nature of time is that it's mechusar. Well, it's not really that it's not enough. It's either not enough or too much. There's boredom, which comes from too much time or dead time, God forbid. And there's the sense of urgency that comes from not enough time. But there's never just the right amount of time. Because only the momentary awareness of existence is what allows me to feel that this is just the right amount of time. When I am thinking past orientation or future orientation, I am already in a place of too much or not enough. And in that mixed up, muddled up place of ma'oyroi's chaser, that the time orientation leads me to feel that I need to rush from this present moment because otherwise I'm going to miss the next moment. Or if I don't run out of this moment, I'm going to be swallowed up by the past moment, depending on the orientation, takes me out of existence and it forces existence to fragment itself. Time is fragmentation. Fragmentation is separation. Separation leads to a certain element of pain, which motivates the individual to try and retrieve some original sense of unity. And we can understand when the Sforno describes why is it that time is written in a deficient form, it's because time equals pain, that the emergence of time, that the birth of time consciousness of past, present, and future, which is oriented towards the lack and the deficiency inherent within the fourth day of creation, as we're going to see. So by definition, what is born there is a sense of suffering, a sense of struggle. Now, this doesn't mean sar in terms of a physical pain necessarily. Rashi already describes surprisingly a very, very difficult, painful orientation, one of the most difficult things, innocent, and children and a difficult form of death, what Chazal referred to as the worst form of death. Rashi is already bringing that up at the introduction of time to show on a certain level, and this is not Pshat of Rashi, but the reason that Ma'oyris is written Chaser is because this is what happens when a person lives in a world of time. That yes, it's not always going to be the worst case scenario that a person is going to be assuming, but now one has to always contemplate the worst case scenario. And the worst case scenario is what Rashi is describing there, the death of children, God forbid, in Achsara, which is what Chazal described as the worst form of all of the forms of death, which is kind of like the anxious mind that perpetually is assuming the worst considerations possible in the hope that maybe it will be a little bit less than what I assume. And it's not surprising that Rashi brings that terrifying thing, that terrifying capacity of the mind to extrapolate, ah, oh, time enters into existence, pain enters into existence, Mamela is going to be the worst thing, it's going to be Achsara for children. It's that anxiety of time that kind of what Rashi seems to be pointing out on a certain psychological level, again, it's not Pshat, is that when time is born, one is already conceiving the worst case scenario. That's the nature of time orientation. What the Sforno says is a more 
calm and subjective orientation, which is that separation and fragmentation leads to pain. There is a sense that I need something else. What is right now is not enough. There is a deficiency inherent. When the sun and the moon, the distinction between day and night, the shifts and the turns and the transiency of all things, the longevity of all things, whichever mood one is in, depending on the mood, too much time is going to be painful or too little time is going to be painful. They are both subjective frameworks which are placed upon the bare nature of reality, orienting us to what it means to be outside of ourselves as a result of time. This, by definition, takes us away from our shorash. If everything is present, if there's no ticking clock that is telling me there's not enough time or that I'm going to miss out or that I need to rush in order to accomplish, et cetera, et cetera, then I can analyze the moment itself. Then I can look at time from a position of saturation and realize that everything is present right now. Everything is present right now. Yes, there may be a past that existed. Yes, there might be a future that is going to exist. But right now I'm able to be present as we're going to see. But the tendency of the human being is to take time and to fall into a sense of transiency, out of into a sense of urgency, which by definition means that I'm running away from myself, either because I'm being chased by something or because I'm chasing something. A person is very rarely aligned with themselves, either because I'm being chased by something from the past, which forces me to run away from myself, or because I am chasing something in the future, which forces me to run away from myself. But the human orientation towards time, which Rashi and Svorno already bring to mind, it already orients the mind to deficiency and fear and urgency. So it is going to take a person out of their oilam. It is going to take a person out of their shoyresh, which is the opposite of menucha which is why the Ramchal writes, and Rabbi Nachman writes, and the Baal Shem Tov writes, and the Gro writes, that in the place of Lamalam and Hazman, when a person is in a framework or a state of mind that is above the, the cutting nature of time, or the splitness of time, or the need to orient myself to the, the fragments of experience, that that is where a person is going to find Menucha. Shabbos, which is a pause in time to one degree or another, it's after creation, it's after urgency, it's after not enough time or too much time. In that place, there's a sense of menucha, that when a person is in a state of menucha, it's almost as if they're outside of time. A person can feel that they have wasted their life in this moment, in this moment of attaching myself, I come to be mavatal everything, I come to feel nitzchias. As Rabbi Nachman describes, that the more ruchani something is, the less it feels time. But the general orientation of the self is to operate in a space of time where it's the opposite of Menucha, where I feel chased and I feel like I can't be present to myself. And when I can't be present, I'm bibahala, and I'm always oriented towards what's coming next or what's chasing me. And I am never enabling myself to take a deep breath, to look at the moment and to realize that that there is enough right here. And when there's enough right here, I am able to stop the posture of running from anything, from the past or the future. And I'm able to orient myself towards the responsibilities, the calls, the demands of the moment. And I can engage in the work of Bechira and Bittal. But when I am assaulted by the, the running from the past or the running towards the future, I don't have access to that. The Nitziv, and this is a notion that we've brought up very often, understands time as the birthplace of this kind of splitness in human subjectivity, which takes away the ability to be calm, which takes away a menucha sanefesh and puts a person into bahala. It puts a person into a state of running, always feeling that there's not enough time. And if I don't accomplish this, I'm not enough. And if I do accomplish this or I do do this, it's still not enough, et cetera, et cetera. 
The Nitziv, when looking at the Pasuk of Veloyis Boshashu, of Adam and Chava, prior to the Chet of the Eight Sadas, which we haven't even gotten to, which is where all of these potential forms of experience become embodied within human subjectivity. But Veloyis Boshashu, it doesn't simply mean that they weren't experiencing shame, although as we're going to see from the Ramchal, time awareness and shame are both inherently connected to one another. We're going to see that when it comes to the Maisa of the Chet of the Eight Sadas. But what the Nitziv points out is that we find another utilization of the word Boishesh, and that's with regards to Moshe Rabbeinu. When Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Har Sinai, and Bnei Yisrael had a very specific time expectation of when he was to arrive, and that time expectation was so fundamental that the moment that it was missed, it led astray and it destroyed everything, that this sense of disappointment that comes about as a result of time is strong enough to even take us away from Harsinai and drag us down into the, the golden calf, into the chait of the Egal Hazav, God forbid. That's the power of this time awareness. That's the power of being stuck in Vahima Oiris Chaser, of the mind feeling that there's never enough, there's never enough time, and that there's a ticking time clock, and that if I don't accomplish this, then this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. I'm never going to actualize myself. And Bnei Yisrael saw that Moshe missed the appointed time, and Moshe tarried in arriving. Moshe tarried means that it was late. There was a sense of time awareness. There was a sense that time is never enough, that it's either too late or too early, which takes me out of myself either direction that I look. I can't be Bemenucha. And as a result of that busha, Klai Yisrael fall, and we fall into that mindset of the terror of disappointment, of things not taking place at their allotted times, of being too impatient, of not knowing how to handle transitions in time, not knowing how to handle the transition between Yom and Laila, Laila and Yom, or what the Baal Shem Tov describes as the need to transform night into day and day into night. And so Valayus Boshashu means that Adam and Chava were not bothered by time awareness, meaning as we existed still in the Garden of Eden, there was still, these traits were not embodied yet. There was still a potential form, as we're understanding on the fourth day of creation. But ultimately, we were not stuck in the sickness of time. We were not running, feeling that we're late, late, late for a very important date, perpetually held hostage by the notion of not doing good enough or feeling that I'm unworthy or feeling that I should be ashamed or feeling that I haven't actualized, etc etc., which is a continuity of the problem born out of the second day of creation. Rav Hutner, in his first teaching in Pachad Yitzchak on, Sukkis, on, on Pesach, begins to give us an insight as to how we can free ourselves from this confine of time. Because like we said, the opposite of Menucha is time. But the goal is not to get rid of time. The goal is not to undo time in all of its vicissitudes and all of its shifts and changes, as the Rebbe Rashab is Mazbir in Samach Vav. And again, there's so many teachings that we're not going to be reading inside for this, but we can share the Makoros afterwards, that time is transitory. Time is transitions. Time is presence and absence. It is shifts from openness to closeness, yes and no, touching and not touching at once. All disintegration, all fragmentation, all opposite of Menucha, which is where the Anaf is connected to its Shoresh, where the outgrowth is connected to its root without any need for Tnua, without any need for movement in order to actualize who I am, or any movement in the mind or any movement in the self, this is all a result of time. Time demands of us. Zman nukat. The entirety of Torah Shabal Peh is rooted in time. The entire edifice of human fear is rooted in time. Time drives all. It is the master that apparently drives all things in the exilic state of being, which takes us away from any element of menucha until we can kill time, which is the secret of Shabbos, where there's no more time. It's a taste of what it would be like to live without time or in a halom. But Rav Hutner 
identifying this problem as he naturally does in a way that very few tzaddikim were capable of doing, understands what it means to be a human being who's rooted in time. We live as time-bound creatures. We live in ma'oris chaser. We live in a separation between shayrish and anaf, between self and actualization, between things how they are and things how they are meant to be. And it creates a division within self that I am operating at a sense of deficiency. Now, yes, obviously, manucha, like we said, does not take away the need to become more. But what manucha does is allow me to become more out of a sense of enoughness, as opposed to a sense of intoxication, where I feel that if I don't become more, I'm not enough. And so Rav Huttner understands that to be a human being is to live as a time-bound creature. But to have an ashama, to have a soul, to have a desire to form manucha, to have a true natural desire to understand that manucha is our true lot, that it is our manucha, our calmness that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sanctifies his name by, and it is that calmness that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives to us. When we have a deep, intuitive sense that we are in truth shayach to our shayrash at every moment, and that nishma sisrael b'sharashim is tahar and tamid mechubar, so in that place we have a desire for something more than time-bound existence. We feel the sting of time primarily because we know that we come from a place beyond time. We know that we come from a place of manucha, and we don't know how to find manucha in a world of time where time is the opposite of manucha. So what Rav Huttner describes is that human experience and human encounter is ultimately a grappling with this question of time. Time tells me that things fall apart and that I need to rush and focus on what's not present right now at the expense of what's present right now in order for me to function in what's going to be, which takes me away from now, takes me away from them, and leaves me absolutely nowhere. And as a result of that, we also have a raging desire to break free from the confines of time, to live a moment in its fullness, to live an oilamecha terabachayecha moment, to live with the sense that I am enough, this moment is enough, and all that exists is this moment, and this moment bears the mark of all things. It has an ak and an abia to it, and it has a hava and an avar, a hava and an asid, as we're going to see. It has a past, present, and future, a beginning, middle, and end. Every moment has that. But before I'm aware of that, I live in this battle of being time-bound, yet trying to elevate myself and break free from the anxiety-producing nature of time, which takes me away from manucha. And this is ultimately what Rav Tzadok discusses as well, and this is what Rabbi Nachman discusses. But where Rav Hutner points out, and the Masili Shasharim also in the beginning explains this fundamentally, but what Rav Hutner points out is that this encounter is revealed in the reality of Zrizus, alacrity, moving quickly. That because we are time-bound and we want to break free of time, what we try and do is we try and make time go slow, quicker. Duration the longevity of time, the time in which it takes time to do its thing, is where the pain comes from, is where the tsar comes from, which is why kvitsa saderach, as we're going to see, and things that minimize or collapse the boundary of time are already a hitznoitzitz, so the spark of the future, where we're trying to minimize the time that it takes to reveal that everything is contained within a singular moment, allowing us to reach a world of menucha. But until then, we feel the pain of time, the sting of time, and the only way we can alleviate the sting of time is to feel it in the least possible form that we can, which is what leads a person to rush. And this rushing, this zrizus, this movement, the need to kill time, the need to break free from the confines of time, the need to move, to move with speed. On the one hand, it leads to more productivity. It leads to a person's ability to perform more, to actualize themselves more, to motivate themselves from a time perspective, which says that you must move in order to accomplish. But at the same point, this same type of zrizus, 
can take a person out of Menuchas HaNefesh because Rizas, by orientation, tells me that I need to move very quickly. I need to move very quickly, which means that I can't be present where I am right now. I can't even eat the food right now. I can't even sit comfortably in this chair right now because I'm Bibahala. But we know from Mervaran of Bells that even when he was running away from the Rishayim Arurim, even when he was running away from the Nazis, Yamach Shemam, he had his chair to sit on. And he said, just because I'm Bibahala, just because I'm in a Sakonis and Fashas, doesn't mean that I'm allowed to let go of my Menuchas HaNefesh. Save me from my wandering spirit. Save me from the time confines that my mind experiences in trying to rush. And so how does one grapple? Fine. So we can try and break free from time with this orientation towards Rizus of needing to rush and run. But that takes away a moment for a person to be calm, for any perspective of fullness and not needing to run somewhere. And so what we need to come on to is the intervention, the Heilige intervention that the Baal Shem Tov hints to, which is that, yes, a person needs to operate in Zrizus. Yes, a person of Ada needs to operate in Zrizus. We have to beat time by utilizing time for speed and moving quick in order to accomplish and with the recognition that there's so much to do, the Balabayas Doichik, and there's a Dechiku Desha'a, and there's a Doichik, there's a pressure of time pushing me and motivating me. Those are all fundamental perspectives that a human being lives with in this world. But without properly understanding what the Baal Shem Tov says, that takes us away from Menucha. But with what the Baal Shem Tov offers us, and the ideas developed from the Rebbe, we're going to see how a person can be Bezrizus and still be calm. Because what the Baal Shem Tov introduces is a notion of Zrizus B'Mesinus, of moving very quickly but with an inner sense of calmness. That there continues to be a patience of self. There continues to be an awareness that I don't need to run anywhere in order to become who I need to be because I already am what I need to be. From that perspective of enoughness, from that perspective of menucha and meshivas nefesh and mesinus, then I can make a healthy decision to become more than I am and to move quickly. Because avada, I want to accomplish anything and everything, and I have to move quickly. I have to fight time. And sometimes the only way to fight time is to not give sleep to the eye. But the need to fight time and the need to be zaris and the need to be quick does not detract from the possibility of aligning ourselves with the innermost place of Tainug, of Menucha Kitov, that exists in that place. I can be moving all over the world, but at the very same moment, I am still tethered to the exact Shirish where I've been. And in that place, I have not yet left my Shirish. And in that sense, I am still entirely B'Menucha, in spite of the fact that every other place that I am, I am doing and I am accomplishing. A person is a Shliach of themselves. A person has infinite levels of shluchim that exist within themselves. And shliach shal adam kamoso. When a person uncovers that the true essence of self is the mishaleach themselves, which is the nitzitz eloikai mimal, the spark of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the menucha itself, the only reason we have access to menucha is because we have a chilek eloikai mimal and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is menucha. And because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is menucha, so we have a desire for menucha because it's accessible to us. And therefore, even as we transition out and we send the shluchim of our senses and our necessities out of our our sense of self, I never leave that inner moment of calmness because I am identifying now with the Mishaleach. I'm identifying with the fact that I have not left myself. I can project myself infinitely. I can engage in anything and I can be fully present in those things as long as I realize that I'm still sitting at the core of myself in that place of Menucha. And then it's the secret of Zrizus B'Mesinus, that I'm moving very fast but I'm moving very still at the very same time. And we can begin to understand what Rabbi Nachman talks about so often as Anizakrin Gadol Va Adayan Aniyanik. 
I am very, very old, but at the very same point, I am very, very young. Because yes, a person lives in a confine of time, and I live in a need for time to transition from one step to the other, leading towards a future. Once we live in time, time is the only antidote to fight against time, to bring Nitzchias into time, as we're going to see. But for Rabbi Nachman, he was able to strike this delicate balance, what the Baal Shem Tov was being masbir, as Rizas B'Mesinas, as speed with a calmness at the heart of it, or a calmness that is surrounded by speed, it's the same secret of being very old, but very young at the same time. Because being very old means that, yes, time has taken its toll, and time will continue to take its toll of forgetfulness and anticipation. But at the core of all time, I am who I am in this moment, and Ani Hayoi It is as if I am born in this very moment, because in truth, all that exists is in this very moment. And that is what gives me access to the Menucha Kitov, to the secret of Menucha that exists within the opposite of Menucha, which is the lack that is associated with the sun and the moon. And we see the entire introduction of the sun and the moon is the emergence of the secret of the sun and the moon, which is fullness and lack. The entire conversation between the sun and the moon, the fullness of the day and the deficiency of night, the clarity of Yichad Ilah and the, and the disclarity of Yichad Tata, the need to be and the need to become. There is a delicate balance taking place where each is coming to terms with itself, because both exist in the same universe. The moon is still going to be called the strong luminary and its, its light is going to be greater than the light of the sun in spite of the fact that the light of the sun is always going to be greater because the zakhar and the nakeva of time, this time orientation of expression and receptivity is part and parcel of the emergence of time. There is a two-ness now. There is a need of guarding the day from the night and guarding the night from the day and learning the laugh that exists between the day and the night of being koilel the midah of yom balayla and being koilel the midah of layla biyom. What Chazal teach us immediately because this is the secret of Chazal. Zman Nakat, it's rooted completely in time. And this secret of Zrizas Bamanasinas, of a Manucha that exists within movement, this is a secret. And this Nakuda, this Nakuda is what the Balshemtov refers to as Zrizas Bamasinas. It's the ability for a person to be present in spite of the fact that they're moving. Now, there are two ways that time is described: there's Zman and there's Ace. Now, Zman is what we've been describing. The past, present, and future, where the past takes me away from the present and the future takes me away from the present, where the past is the root form of sadness and depression and the orientation towards what is not present, the not enoughness of things, and the future is oriented towards anxiety, anticipation, and the too muchness of things. Too muchness from an anxiety perspective, not enough from a sadness perspective. That's the nature of Zman, though. But like we said, the moment has always already existed. And there's a secret of the Shoirish Asmanim, where time begins to emerge prior to the pathology of time, which is where all moments exist in the very same moment. It's not that there are no moments, but it's a secret that all time exists in the same moment, which means that each and every moment, as Leshem says and the Balasulam says, contains the potential of every other moment. Each moment that I find myself in is full. It has its own beginning, its own middle, and its own end. Each moment is a fullness unto itself. Each moment, as the Torah's Chacham teaches us, has all of the worlds, from the top to the bottom, Adam Kadmon, the highest level of world, associated with Kesser, associated with pleasure, Atzilus, the world of Chachma, the world of Bittel, Bria, the world of Bina, the world of understanding, Yitzira, the world of Zeranpin, the world of emotions, Asiya, the world of action, the world of Malchus, all of those exist in each and every moment. Every moment contains its own singularly unique DNA of existence, and when one engages with that moment, it is as if they have engaged in the entire 6,000 millennia span of existence. Shis Al-Feishan and the Alma, the 6,000 millennia that the world will be, and the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th, 
are all inherent within each and every moment when a person develops a perspective of the enoughness of time. Of yes, I live in time, but therefore I need to learn how to collapse time into a place beyond time, where I can live, yes, bezrizus, but I also have a secret of mesinus and menucha and calmness at the heart of it. And the language that Chazal use and that the Torah uses to describe this orientation towards time, where the moment contains everything, not because it's the deadening of time or that there is no time, but rather that all time exists within this moment. The past, present, and future exist right here, right now. The Hayahoyvavihia exists right here, right now. This is referred to as an ace, not as man, but an ace, a time. It's an event. Each moment can be transformed into an event, an ace, which can't be captured through the lens of the fragmentation of time or the past, present future orientation towards temporality, but rather it's the recognition that all time is collapsed into this moment and everything is present. In that place, in that moment, every moment I can move infinitely within each moment without actually departing from my shayresh. I am actualizing myself without ever losing hope in my potential. This is the secret that the Maharal describes and that the Ramchal describes and Rav Soloveitchik describes as the secret of ace. And we can begin to understand how menucha, calmness, is not the killing of time. Because we live in the in the universe of Vayim Oros Chaser with this awareness. That lack is where HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to find Menucha. The soul is sent down into this world to fight for Menucha. It's not easy. It's not Me Menuchos all the time. That's the specific Giloy, to be able to find Menucha even in the opposite of Menucha. That's the goal of Yid, to believe that I have Menucha Kitov that rests at the core of myself. And we said it's Yisachar who understood the secret of Menucha and it's Yisachar Davka who understood the secret of needing to put in effort. Vayar Menucha Kitov and it's specifically a saskar who has the ability of yesh schar, of tasting the schar of the future within the present, which is the secret of Menucha. But in Divra Yaman, we see something else with Yisachar, that it's B'nai Yisachar, Bina Le'itim. There's a knowledge of understanding for the sake of orienting ourselves towards time. And what Chazal described over there, it's the ability to utilize time for the Torah, to create the proper breakdowns of time. And we see Chazal are obsessed with time. Our religion is a time obsessed religion because our job is to draw down nitzchiyas in the opposite of time into time itself to reveal calmness at the secret and at the heart of movement because it's never about non-movement. It's about the non-movement that exists within movement because we never feel that we have absolutely completed, but we can view every imperfect stage of becoming more and more imperfect in relationship to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's perfection. We can see each and every imperfect moment through a lens of perfection, that it contains everything it needs. It has a shem havaya. It has its own siruf of a past present and future. And that's the secret of Ace. And so B'nai Yisachar, who are the ones who understood the secret of Menucha, we can also understand why they're Yoidea Bina Le'itim, the secret of Itim, the ability to transform Zman, which is the anxiety or the depression of time, that being pulled away from myself and my calmness because of the past or the future, how to transform it into an Eight, which is the secret of everything is present right here, right now, to the degree that I can't say necessarily what time it is because I'm fully embracing the experience itself. And in that place, a person can draw menucha into Yagia, and we come out again with the same outcome, that it is the apparent split that takes me away from myself, which puts me in the place where I need to develop myself, which by definition takes me away from myself, which is the opposite of menucha. and the antidote is going to be learning how to move away from ourselves, but carry ourselves with us, or to realize that all of the places that we'll ever need to go are contained within the place of self, that hinei makom iti, and mishayesh lalev in shayach lamakom klal, and we're going to see next week's Shira Mirz Hashem how time and 
then space is going to play in our relationship with calmness. Because in spite of the fact that everything was created on the first day of creation and only emerging on their particular days, it's the creation of Adam HaRishon and Chava and the process of being in Gan Eden, being outside of Gan Eden, that is going to introduce us again to the need to develop the very tools needed for cultivating calmness, of listening, of breathing, of walking, of talking, and all of the different things of togetherness that we're going to see Adam and Chava go through Ba'ezrus Hashem. The music is by Zusha. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. <laughs>